Hello, and welcome to Polylog. My name is Brendan Seidel, your co-host. And my name is Naomi Soto, your other co-host. And this is the last episode of Polylog. Imagine, I imagine we're going to have some dramatic music cued in here of some kind. (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, some big news. uh, We're dropping kind of right at the top of the show. Um, We are... Tapped out. Wrapping it up. Wrapping it up, yes. Uh, But we wanted to jump on the mics one more time and just talk about what a journey this has been, what we've learned, and what we hope our listeners take with us. And to thank our listeners for being with us over these last five years. So let's start with uh, the why of this bombshell, Brendan. What... What happened to Polylog? Why is it ending? Well, you know, we covered the Supreme Court in our special Supreme Court season, and we thought, you know, I think we nailed it. There's we, no more news. There's no more news. We there's no more all. topics. We we just did it all. Yeah. That we is. Just, yeah, that's <laughs> that is, exactly what it was. That is absolutely not what it was. <laughs> what was it for real, Naomi? We just do not have the capacity and the time in our personal life to make polylog, to make the polylog that we enjoy making. Yeah, absolutely true. We have loved doing polylog since 2017. Short- started July 2017. Mm-hmm, yep, shortly after we were married. And our lives were very different back then. Yeah, I had just finished grad school was fun employed until it was just unemployed. (laughs) (laughs) That's one way to put it. But I had a lot of time in the beginning to kind of do prep and help with production and stuff. That's right. You were editing some of the episodes. I was doing a lot of editing because I wasn't working. That's right. And those episodes would come out... On Tuesday. On Tuesday, which (laughs) is crazy. Because I was learning. (laughs) Yep, yep. Yeah, so it it was a different time in our lives. Yeah, we lived somewhere else. You had your job. I was hiking a lot. And it was year one of the Trump administration, and it was just crazy. Mm-hmm. And since then, I've had, I got a job. I did. <laughs> yeah. Worked there for many years. We bought a house. We had a couple of kids. It's, there was a global pandemic. There was a global pandemic. That, there's just been a lot of life, just a yes. lot of life. Yes. In the last five years. And a lot of people told us when we were having our first baby, oh, yeah, Polly, you can't keep that up. There's no way you can keep doing those. You guys still doing Polylog? Those those shows every Sunday. No way. And we said, to hell with you. Yeah, we hate you. And we kept doing it Mm -hmm. for almost two years. 19 months. 19 months after the first baby. That's a long time until we had the second baby. (laughs) And the second baby broke us. <laughs> yes, exactly. And we never, we never recovered. <laughs> but we did do another season. Yeah, of and your gun series too. Oh, that's right. I almost forgot. <laughs> so yeah, there were still a lot of episodes that we put out this this year, and we had thought that the new season structure was the way to go. Yeah, we really revamped it. I mean, we were ready for a change for sure, but we just could not keep doing all of the show on Sunday, and we had. So many topics that we were ready to dive into with, you know, the Polylog 2.0 structure of kind of a focused topic area. And we bit off way more than we could really <laughs> chew with the Supreme topic. Court. But even with that, it 
it would just prove to be too intense. We had so many visions for that season that never even got off the ground. We wanted to do a lot of interviews and even more in-depth editing, despite all the clips I tried to infuse into the show. And it just just killed us. I mean, we... we we could not keep it up. Now, we finished that season. We did. Because we like to finish things that we start. And that's why we're finishing this <laughs> this episode right here. We're doing it right now. We have a party this week, but damn it, we're going to record this episode. Yes. But it's true. We, even with the more flexible production of Polylog 2.0, our life is just too inflexible. Yes. That's a good way to put it. This revamped version still. So looking back, Naomi, you know, what what are some of the things that, that you did enjoy about Polylog? I mean, it's worth reflecting a little bit. I mean, if we had an actual producer who put together an, uh, our episodes for us, they could throw in a lot of flashbacks and little clips, and that's not going to happen. So let's just <laughs> use our imaginations <laughs> and our memories to think back about some things that we liked. And You know, I think what I appreciated the most was covering a topic for over a period of time and seeing how it evolved and how the news coverage of it evolved. Mm -hmm. And I think this is true for so many different topics. There definitely gets a point where you're like over talking about it for sure. But especially on like big legislative packets from, you know, either the Trump administration or the Biden administration, the way it goes from this like vague talking point of like we need tax cuts to like how they're fighting for it what's on the line which states are happy and which ones aren't to like getting the votes just like that whole news evolution is so interesting to follow from like our very unique perspective of the sunday morning shows Mm -hmm. that I just have like different topics in my head where it was so interesting. So I I think of like, that was like the main accomplishment of the Trump administration was like that tax package and how hard they worked for it. You know, I think of when Me Too broke and like everyone was so awkward talking about (laughs) sexual assault and sexual harassment and kind of observing that. I think of the pandemic and how much fear there was with, what was unknown and who was able to be comforting and assuring. I'm thinking like Margaret Brennan versus like very fear tactics. I think that we saw a lot on CNN. So for me, I think what I appreciate is just like being able to follow the story in our little, you know, perch from the Sunday morning shows and then seeing it evolve. Yeah. And kind of to, to add to that, one of the things that really I enjoyed a lot was seeing how the shows evolved and how yeah. they covered these topics from the early days. I mean, literally, I mean, the, the early days of the Trump White House starting in that first Trump year, right? Just a few months into his first year. And, we, you know, on our show covering how the Sunday morning political shows dealt with mistruth, lies, misstatements you know, racist tweets, you know, the tweet storms, the crazy nights. And then finally, the um, the, the two impeachments of Trump, right? The January 6th, the election. I mean, seeing how these shows dealt with all of that. How do you deal with somebody who goes onto your show and repeatedly lies, right? These are, these are topics that the Sunday shows hadn't really confronted before. Not to say they didn't happen, but they certainly didn't happen to the extent that they did in the 
you know, in the Trump White House and in these current political times. So that was really interesting to watch and to be able to compare the shows against each other and how they dealt with similar interviews even, you know, the same people on the same day and the same topic. I loved doing that. And then we can't not talk about how the shows evolved during the pandemic. I mean, that was... Oh my gosh, yeah. That was the most dramatic changes we've ever seen to the Sunday shows, where they a lot of them just dropped the panels completely, which was to, you know, to our delight, practically, you know, across the board. But then seeing how they dealt with trying to provide important public health information, but also trying to hold our public officials accountable. And I think in the early early months of it, they didn't do a very good job with the hold accountable side of thing beyond just pushing back on the Trump White House reflexively. But even to the end, we felt like they needed to show more scrutiny to the public health officials themselves. And institutions. And institutions, exactly. But it, that was really fascinating. So I, I just, I loved all that. And of course, I love the clips. And I love diving into the minutiae. And I loved all the debates, even though it killed us to do those debate episodes in, in just a few hours' time. That was, you know, I still feel very proud of those. It's funny thinking about how the shows evolved in the last five and a half years and how much the shows were explicit or kind of circumspect with those changes. Like sometimes they said what they were changing and other times they just tested and tried things until like something felt right and but we were looking so closely that we saw all of it yes yes exactly they didn't think anyone was watching that closely right (laughs) and we were watching that closely and i think a good example is who acknowledged that they're not doing panels anymore right yeah i mean i don't think state of the union ever actually acknowledged it Meet the press, acknowledge it when they started bringing it back. Face the Nation said they're not doing them. Like, it was just so interesting, like, the explicit call out that, like, we are reevaluating what is worth this 42, 46-minute block of time. Exactly. Any hard things about the show that stand out? I'm thinking I were very long Sundays. <laughs> Yeah, our production schedules, obviously, you know. It was pretty intense. Very intense and hard to reduce the total number of topics and, and get the show into a meaningful but not over long hour or hour and a half, as it often was. That was very, very tough. Yeah, I think trying to find out with that magic formula of how much of an agenda to make for an hour-long show, (laughs) like constantly trying to figure that out for sure. And negotiating it across with each other until we started the new structure where you covered some shows, I covered some shows. And that was a very different structure for us. Right. But before we had to like essentially negotiate for an hour before we recorded (laughs) for an hour. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Surprising no one. (laughs) Yeah. So this this was this was quicker. This was quicker. But I'm really going to miss working on the show, talking about the show with you in detail. Obviously, a lot of our conversations of late have been about children and family. The last couple years, I mean, as much as this show has kicked our ass, especially since our son was born this year. It's been so nice to have something that we're both working on, that we both care about, that are that is separate from our children. <laughs> yes. We don't take that for granted, given, you know, the 
intense responsibility load that children are, but it's something that I think we both know we'll try to incorporate back in some way. Exactly. So we have to, have to thank, of course, all of our listeners, all of their feedback. Their donations and emails. Encouragements, criticisms. Love the criticisms. We love criticism. All of it. It's it's really, really helped us continue moving forward with the show and, you know, fired us up, got us excited about about every Sunday, right? Yeah, and I think especially we've gotten so many, like our listeners are just the best. Like they, and I've mentioned this on the show, like are just on all walks of life. Like if we had somebody who was like on a mission in the South Pacific, mm-hmm. like a religious mission, and like this is how they kept up with the news. Like, what a treat and an honor to yes, be. Yes, truly an honor. In their ears, like, hey, this is what's going on back home. Here's some. Here are some ways to think about it. I have a friend who, he's a doctor now, uh, but he listened to a lot of our show when he was in medical school, and he said the way we talk about questions helped him in his medical interviews. Because, <laughs> like, he knew, like, he could understand, like, the objectives of the question so much yeah. better. So just, like, cool, man. <laughs> like, thanks. So, like, our listeners are just, I love learning about where they're taking, you know, our polylog thoughts. I agree. So we are still thinking of you, even if we're not producing the show. One million percent. So we can't not talk about the media, some reflections, some things we've learned along the way about journalism. State of news. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, the state of news at this very moment in December 2022 is precarious. <laughs> it's a mess. I mean, I was just reading before this about the Washington, the Washington Post, Post and yeah. the, the publisher, just that awful it, meeting he just had. Yeah, like at the end of a meeting, he's like, oh, by the way, there's going to be some layoffs. Yeah, a meeting about like how great the new year is going to be. And by the way, there's going to be a bunch of layoffs. And, and then, also the Washington Post magazine, there were a bunch of layoffs earlier. Yeah. And then apparently he was peppered with questions and walked off the stage saying, I'm not going to make this a grievance fest and just didn't take any questions. And some of their star reporters who haven't joined the guild, which I'm kind of the union. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are now like trying to get in like yep. Ashley Parker and Josh mm-hmm. Saucy and what a mess. Robert but that's Barnes. just one. Also, why weren't they in the guild already? But anyway, yes. I mean, the post is just one example. Like CNN has done cuts. Hundreds, hundreds of layoffs. Yeah. Right. It's just. it's across the media sphere and across the technology sphere it's a very precarious time for for people in their jobs totally i think there's been a state of like how is journalism profitable in local news but we're seeing it go across digital and legacy institutions and cable and how we think about how this country values invests and funds good journalism i think is going to be like a very tricky thing in the next few years we'll see which sunday shows make it (laughs) we're here next december yeah who knows who knows but i i do hope that the news continues to ask very critical questions Mm -hmm. tries to hold people to account but also gives those in power and those seeking power and those in the political sphere space to talk so that the audience the reader the viewer the listener 
can hear for themselves who these people are and how their minds work. And that was the value and is the value of the Sunday shows, that you can sit down and you can hear somebody, whether you agree with them or not, talk for minutes at a time in one conversation so you can get a sense of how their mind works or what their position is in their own words not summarized by a reporter, not in little clips here or there that are 10 seconds, 15 seconds long, but minutes long. There is so much value to that in our stratified news ecosystem where you mostly hear other people summarizing what political actors are saying. So I do hope no matter what medium there is, there continues to be space given for people to actually, the the subjects of news coverage to actually talk more extendedly. And that doesn't mean you just give them free reign. You still have to hold them to account even more so. But it is worth getting in their own words what they're all about right now. Yeah, it's an interesting kind of like balance. You want each interview, each conversation that you're showing to be productive and a good use of someone's time where they're learning, but not be so tightly edited and pared down that there's no room for like exploration and curiosity from the listener to kind of like take that thought somewhere else. Exactly. And that's, again, where the Sunday shows were so great, because in a news article, You might read what someone in the Biden administration said, and then there will be a paragraph following that, maybe fact-checking them or bringing in more context, and then they'll bring in a quote from somebody else. But you might say, wait a minute, I don't want the quote from somebody else. I want to hear what the Biden administration has to say to that fact-check or to that context. What do they have to say about that? And that's where the Sunday shows were so great, because if you have a great interviewer, the interviewer will bring that into the conversation. Absolutely. And then you can really know, well, well, what does the Biden administration have to say to that? Do they agree with the journalists' take on this issue with the fact check and the context? Are they aware of it? Does that make them change their mind? Likely not. But can they at least acknowledge that that information is out there and help the audience understand what that means? It's it's just you can't beat that that format if it's done well, but it's so hard for it to be done well, as we have talked about. So, Naomi, what's next for us? I have this little line here in our conversation. I mean, what, where, where are you going for your news now? What are you thinking of news now? What, what, you know, what, where are your interests leading you? So interesting. I, I've been really into following like particular journalists and issue areas pretty closely and not even issue areas but like people who have a similar curiosity so Anne Helen Peterson is someone who's like I'm obsessed with her newsletter and her social media and she talks about a wide range of topics but like her essays have me always thinking for like a couple of days and that's become kind of like my barometer is if I'm still thinking about your piece two or three days later. Yeah. And I'm not interested in something that I'm just going to read and forget 20 minutes later. Yes. Which I used to do a lot. I used to have the time and bandwidth for that. And I just don't anymore. 
I think Jessica Gross is another reporter at the New York Times that I'm doing that with. There's there's like, a, you know, eight or ten journalists that I just, writers, I should say, more broadly, who constantly are pro- producing things that have me thinking for a while. And it's nice when, <laughs> for any of our listeners of that are parents of very small children, like sometimes like I don't have the bandwidth or energy to like, what am I going to read now? And try to find like some new article on the homepage of the New York Times to decide. Like, it's mm-hmm. just nice to, like, go back to some long essay that I'm reading yes. for the day and, yes. like, be thinking about it. And so that's just, that. I think that's partly why my brain is here. How about you? Well, I, it's so interesting that kind of the, the end of Polylog on the, you know, in the Sunday format at least, and and then finally the actual end of Polylog <laughs> corresponds to this very tumultuous time, not just in media, but in the in Twitter, right? I mean Twitter oh gosh, is so up in arms and it was it's a mess. Of course, you know, for years on Polylog it was a great place to find out you know, what's going on, to look around the corner, to look ahead, to understand what journalists are thinking and and where the news is going. And it's been such a mess over the last few months that and, and that's really corresponded like i said with with me having a little more time to read outside of the day-to-day political happenings and so i haven't been reading twitter as much and i haven't been following that day-to-day as closely as i had to when we were doing polylog and of course you know I, we 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 did so much research on the supreme court and I read several books on that, but I have been really enjoying reading again and reading a lot of nonfiction, a little bit of fiction. And like you said, Naomi, you know, it's really nice to have something a little deeper, a little longer, a little more thought provoking that you can return to and and continue getting more and more from. And then after you're done with it, you walk away and you're still thinking about it. And I, I agree that is the the measure of something great, you know, a great use of time and 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 something worth worth considering. So you were naming some people and I guess I should as well. I there's a book that I read last month that really has been sticking with me called The Extended Mind by journalist Annie Murphy Paul and it's really made me rethink a lot a lot of things um, about how how we consider intelligence how our minds work, how much we we rely on and are influenced by those around us, the environment around us, the the built space, the natural space, the way we use our time, what we hear, what we don't hear around us. For example, one interesting fact is in that book that overhearing just one side of a conversation, like somebody on the phone sitting in a public space near you, just what I never yeah, do that. Just hearing one side <laughs> is actually more cognitively distracting to the you know the human mind than hearing both sides of the conversation, even though it's half as much actual audio interruption to what right, you're so doing. Right. So someone on a phone is more disruptive for your brain versus a like full table. Next, yes. Next yes. To which is which is just fascinating. But anyway, the, the book has been very, very thought-provoking. So I really enjoyed that. And I can't not mention An Immense World by Ed Yong. Of course, Yong did some of the most incredible coverage most of the pandemic. Most incredible COVID writing. Yeah. Beautiful work. 
But at the same time, he was following up on his first book with an immense world about animal senses. And boy, does that make you see the world in new ways, understanding all the ways that animals sense the world. For example, just one little fun example, dolphins, of course, we know they have echolocation. Correct. Right? Similar to what is used by bats. But dolphin sonar, we should think of it not so much as it's hitting things and bouncing back like a bat does, but because it's in water and most creatures are made of water, right? Dolphins are essentially x-ray machines. They are essentially MRI machines. If they see you swimming in the water, they can look into you. They can see your bones. They can see your heart. They can see your whole body. And of course, the bodies of everything they're hunting and, and other dolphins and everything. It's, it's incredible. Just amazing. So highly recommend that book. But yeah, it's, it's been I mean, great. everything by Ed Young is a good use of your time. So I've been very much enjoying just learning more. Imagine that. And cooking more. Oh, I have been doing a lot more cooking. Yes, I'm a big fan of America's Test Kitchen. Never saw the show, just <laughs> happened to pick up one of their books. We are not like cooking show watchers right. at, in, in any way. <laughs> so Brendan just like Christopher Columbus, uh, the America's Test Kitchen, like what, six months ago? Yeah, I just found this. And everyone else is like, yeah, they're, they're a big deal and like cooking shows. Yeah, I just found this big red cookbook and it had a lot of pictures and explained why they did what they did and I said, this looks good. And now now I'm sold. And our family is very happy. It's been fun activities with our toddler. Yes. Yeah, like we just made eggnog, homemade eggnog today. It was I great. hated eggnog until today. This is now There might be some it- correlation between <laughs> between those two statements. <laughs> Uh, I feel like this has turned into an American Test Kitchen ad. They are not sponsored, but if they no. want to sponsor us, maybe we'll record another episode. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> all right, Naomi. So we've talked about all of these things. What are some parting words for our listeners out there as they move into that great big world and move into 2024, which our show will not touch? I no, know. I'm sorry, 2023. <laughs> Definitely won't. That's not just 2020. You're already thinking about the election. That's what it. That's where your brain is. Maybe. <laughs> you know, I think as our life has gotten more crazy, I am more sympathetic, more empathetic to people who say they don't have like the bandwidth for news. Mm, interesting. And I get it. I still think there's a responsibility <laughs> to like know what's happening in your world. But mostly there's institutions and power players and politicians and companies that are deciding what is happening in your life. And Mm -hmm. the easiest way to find out about those power players is to watch and read the news. And so I'm not reading all of the news, but I'm greatly affected by how much this country does not value parents and children. And so I'm paying particularly close attention to those writers and those issue areas because I just have a lot of rage about this country in in those areas. And so, you know, prioritize, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Like, you don't have to opt out just because you're so busy. Like, find what... Find what's going to be the most meaningful for you to keep up with and be okay with the rest of the noise just staying as noise. 
I agree. And and kind of towards the end of what, what you were talking about earlier, you know, following journalists and voices that can be a steadying guide for you as you're consuming that news, whether it's a newsletter or a certain columnist or writer. I mean, I I kind of lean towards focusing on journalists, but columnists too can be really good. And that's already happening. Yeah. Like, I think in general, like, news consumership is focused on journalists and less on institutions. Like, I'm really, I think Taylor Lorenz does great work. She was somewhere else, and then she was in the New York Times, and now she's at the Post. And, like, I'm following her work anyway. So I think it's a lot easier to do that than it used to be, like, 20 years ago. I agree. Now, of course, our listeners, they're not quitting the news. They're news junkies, right? So, sure. so kind of some words for those news junkies, I would say. I would say still prioritize. I, yes. Because there's a lot of junk news still out That's there. That's exactly right. I'm like. Just because you're a news junkie doesn't need mean you need to have. Junky news. Junky news. Yeah. Isn't wow, that what you love? Wow, it took us five years to get there. <laughs> we should have come up with that What is lot. that called? An, not an anagram. Christmas. Yes. You love those. I mean, yes. Yeah, I do. <laughs> And high school is obsessed with any yes. quote that was the play on the same words. Mm-hmm. But but truly, also, don't always focus, I don't know, take a step back now and then from the nowness of the news, right? Pause it for a second and dig a little deeper, right? Because there are things that are persistent that continue. You know, you see the same story over and over again, and it might like flash up you know, flare up like a flash in the pan for for a week or two and then disappear. But then six or eight months later, it'll flare up again. And it's like, okay, at that flare up, why don't you just pause, take a little time and try to understand like, what is the cyclical nature of this? Why is this happening? And what's the impact? Like, right. I think so much of the nowness, <laughs> you know, the urgent news story is just saying like what's happened as opposed to how this will change the impact of what is being considered. And so if you are interested in a certain area that is like, you know, firing back up six months later, it, it's, it's not if someone has a new quote about it. Like that's not the interesting thing. The interesting thing is the impact that it will have. Yeah. And I would say be very skeptical of predictions. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> There's a lot of predictions out there. Like the Republicans. Sweeping in the last election. Mm, yeah, no, that didn't happen. That's true. I think the last thing I would say, too, is sometimes people follow the news. I don't know. I think of civic engagement being... Following the news is like bare bones of civic engagement. And I would encourage people to think about what does like civic participation or advocacy mean for them? more broadly is it having conversations with your family members is it you know being a poll watcher is it you know caring about your kids pta and school board like whatever joining your uh, local city commission so joining a city commission boards and commission a great gateway entry point for politics and state and local politics but it's just i don't know we have a responsibility to each other and for me, civic engagement is not just like caring about politics, though I do. It's like caring about my neighbors and wanting to be like a tiny piece of 
a broader community that cares about each other. And so I would encourage us to think about civic engagement as not like just a number of like voters that we have to get out every November. It's about like the ongoing work for the issues and people we care about. And news is the first step, but we can each do a teensy bit more. Exactly. And finally, last thing I'll say, journalists are amazing, but we should never stop demanding more from them. Questions or compliments? <laughs> Very nice. If I'm not asking a question, I think you're boring. <laughs> <laughs> so criticism. The world would be flat without any criticism. Very true. And despite what Thomas Friedman wrote, wrote all those years ago, the world is not flat. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Well, this got, got very melodramatic at the end, but we just want to thank everyone so much for sticking with us these last few years. We have learned a lot. We have grown up a lot. The podcast has been this constant thing in our lives. And and who knows? We'll probably have some like new idea in like 18 months to yes. try to come back on the mics. Uh, if that's the case, our family should have an intervention with <laughs> us. But, you know. You never know. Never know. <laughs> I know us, so it's <laughs> something's going to happen. Something's, yeah, that's absolutely right. In the meantime, polylog.com is still there. All yeah. the old episodes are still that's there. True. They're it's, not going it's anywhere. It's renewing in like 18 days. We need yep. to talk about what we're going to do with it. It's but. still there. Uh-huh. So check it out. <laughs> and if you want to. You could always find us on Twitter when I have brain capacity. Sometimes I reply back. And but while Twitter still exists. <laughs> But we'll probably keep the email going for a while. Yeah. Um, and, and just reach out to us. We would love to hear from you and where you are. Yep. Thank you again. And we will talk with you sometime again, I am Some sure. Sometime in the future. Till then. Bye. Bye. Bye.